Before we get started on this week's episode, could you do me a favor and press the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast? It really helps me to develop the show because I use the number of new subscribers and followers that I receive each week to tell how well received an episode has been. Now let's get on with the show. Vision and Graft, a career and resilience companion with Richard William Preisner. Welcome to episode 10 of the Vision and Graft podcast. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to the start of the second season. Um, I was very happy that British Cinematographer wrote a little article um, on their website about the podcast, and that's available at visiongraph.com. I've linked to it there if anyone's interested in seeing that. On this week's episode, I've got Hannah Lee, who is a great designer. Um, I've worked with her on many occasions um, for commercial work and corporate work. I've known her since high school, where she used to sit a few desks over from me in maths so it's been over 20 years which is weird to say now Um, but I'm really happy that she's coming on the podcast and being willing to share her experiences with me it's full of amazing little tidbits and takeaway phrases which I will be rinsing on my Instagram it was a really useful conversation for me I'm sure it will be for you so without further ado let's get over to it I can't actually remember how you and I met because I'm, I've obviously known you since we were 11. I mean, it was probably in maths class. With I was going to say maths. So I was like, that feels like where I remember you the most from. To the right, very distracting. Yeah, what, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you just listen to you giving attitude all the time. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. After high school, we've obviously collaborated many times over the years been mates for a while we've been out partying and um, done it all (laughs) and you've got me on quite a lot of jobs too and you're now working as a creative designer at TikTok I am yeah yeah went full-time I want to say it's a year next month that's gone so fast yeah I mean what what does that role entail exactly like a creative designer yeah I mean design can be so many different things it could be art direction on a shoot or an idea for a campaign it could be coming up with graphics on how something looks I suppose in the TikTok realm I'm not one of the dancers in front of the camera but I'll be designing the graphics that you see on the platform Mm. yeah and yeah it can be anything it can literally be anything (laughs) all right wow so a very uh, multifaceted role in terms of like using all your skills pulling all your skills together for the job as a creative designer Many hats, yes. <laughs> Many hats. This is uh, this is how I like to think of you anyway. Um, so what made you choose to become a designer? Like how did you begin your career and like what's the journey like been like so far? So I suppose I have always wanted to do something creative. That's because my grandparents were photographers. My mum was a florist. I always wanted to be like designing something. And whether that was, I don't know, I jumped a bit from being like, I want to be a fashion designer. I want to be an interior designer. I always wanted to do something. I can't draw for shit, straight up admitting that. But I just always wanted to do something creative. And I was laughing about this at the weekend because I was saying like, I literally thought you had to go to uni and do what you did at college. Like obviously we went to college together as well. But yeah, I just thought you literally had to go and do the same thing. So I was like, cool, graphics. I'm going to go do graphics at uni. I was never as passionate as the people on my course. Maybe I was, but in my own way. And yeah, just fell into it. I've got a lot of people to thank who like obviously gave me the opportunity to be a junior in their agencies and stuff. And that's probably just what helped. And then the more I enjoyed it, I thought, actually, yeah, I can do this. And then believed in myself a bit more. And yeah, that's about, here I am. 
Oh, I see. So it's kind of like it naturally evolved that you kind of became a designer. It wasn't something that you sort of set out to do from a young age or anything. Yeah, no, I've no, I've always just been a bit arty, always done something like that. And then, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know what a graphic designer was at college when you're doing the course, you know, you're just making collages and stuff. But yeah, yeah it just kind of evolves and you learn like, you know, a graphic designer is totally different from someone who's doing like a magazine versus someone who's working on like advertising campaigns or even like social media and stuff like that. So yeah, I've touched it all a bit, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> so so when you left uni and you first started, did you were you working full time or were you freelance? So the minute I left uni, I think I did six months like I don't know, serving coffees in Starbucks and like making my portfolio look as the best as it could be. And then yeah, I just decided to come down to London, go to a few interviews. And yeah, I got I got straight into a junior role, like full time. It was actually really cool. It was like an island in Twickenham. I met some like really cool people who obviously trained me. I'm still instilled with like some of the stuff they taught me now, like don't be messy and that kind of stuff. So I predominantly worked in like at the island, let's say the, the city it was called, at Eopie Island, predominantly did kind of like graduate recruitment, very like corporate based stuff. So like when I decided... I've got this thing where, like, if I'm not learning anything new, it's time to go. Obviously, like, they can't pay you the wage you want or I've done, like, a standard, what is it, two and a half, three years, you think, I need to find something else. And I wanted to go to this big, shiny place called Shoreditch where all the cool designers were. And, yeah, no, I um, ended up getting a... Well, I went for a few interviews and I ended up at another social media agency who at first thought I was too corporate for the role, and then I was like, well, you don't know unless you give me the chance. And then I remember spending like all weekend on like a pitch deck of like, they gave me an example brief. And I was like, I'm going to smash this just to get this job. And then, yeah, I got that. So I did three years there. And then same again, decided I think I want to go freelance. Yeah. So then I've just freelance. I think I did six, seven years freelance. And then, yeah, back to perm now just for a change. We talked the other day about this, but I think that's like obviously a really interesting thing to focus on to start with is that decision that you've made kind of at this point in your career, which is definitely not the beginning anymore. It's like the mid to go from being freelance to permanent again. And I'm just sort of wondering what made you choose to do that and what have the positives and or negatives been? I find, I, well, I don't know, like freelance, freelance was great and I earned a lot of money. I was quite fortunate. I didn't need recruiters a lot. So like a lot of stuff was word of mouth. And yeah, I just kind of like bounced around different agencies or friends moved on to other jobs and thought, you know, what, I know a good designer. Hannah, do you want to do the brief? And I think it just got to a point where like I went traveling. I was so fortunate. I had some agencies passing me some briefs. And yeah, that funded basically like almost two years. Came back because of the pandemic and like, fortunately, I know not a lot of people did, but I had a really good lockdown. Like I did well. I worked on some great briefs, made a good amount of money. And then I just got contacted about a freelance role at TikTok. And I thought, do you know what? I'll give it a go. And it was that thing where like, I liked, again, same again, if I'm not learning anything, I want to try something new or just challenge myself. And I saw this as like a huge challenge. Like it's an app you don't know. It's, like you said, what do you design there? Everyone thinks it's just, you know, an app. I just really fancied a change. And also, I suppose the negatives was I got stuck in a bit of a hole with certain clients where 
I'm a people pleaser and I suppose as women we naturally want to be people pleasers and I would like work myself into the ground and then I think it took lockdown for me to really realize like look take a step back it's not a step down it's a new challenge and I want to try something new and you know what if you don't like it you know the people that recommended me before are still going to be there there's always going to be work it's not a bad thing but no I've loved it I loved every minute of it and I thought yeah, there's this kind of misconception that like going perm, even when I said it to you, and now I'm perm, it makes it sound bad, but it's it's not. like and Yeah, because I suppose it's like the opposite of what the usual trajectory is. So it's like why people would think that, but it's not necessarily the case. Like people do things for different reasons. Like you're saying, it's a challenge that you wanted and you wanted a new challenge. I don't I completely mm. understand that. There's like, there's no set way that people should do things, I suppose. I, I freelance straight out of uni, <laughs> which was like financial suicide. Um, <laughs> but a good time to do it where I didn't really need much money. That's the way I look at it now. But yeah, like I think that's kind of why it has intrigued me. I've not, I've not really had an opinion on it because there's not really permanent in what I do. But it's intrigued me that, that you've chosen to do that. And I mean, also like it's affected the structure of your life too, hasn't it? Like you've got more respectable hours and predictable hours. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'll definitely still, you know, if I like to get the job done and I like to kind of make it perfect. So I'm not afraid of a late night or a weekend or a long shoot, in fact. But yeah, definitely there's more structure now. It was more me being freelance was I like what I love my job and I love what I do, but not necessarily some of the jobs that I was working on. Mm -hmm. So again, this like natural people pleaser comes into play and you don't want to let anyone down. So you will say yes to jobs that you necessarily don't want to do. And then because you're kind of getting this income where you're like, oh my God, great, you know, I can buy that. You fall into this like weird trap. And there is definitely like, I've just learned so many things like rest isn't a bad thing, mm -hmm. you know, and I definitely think like mental health wise, I'm in such better place than when I was freelance. Definitely. Is that because of that trap that you were talking about? Is it like an overwork trap? Yeah. Burnout is such a glorified thing. Like it's just so yeah. easy to become burnt out and quite resentful at the same time. Some people see burnout as being like this, like, tick you know yes I've worked hard I've achieved that whereas I was literally getting to the point where I was so tired and just happily answering emails and texts at like 10 11 o'clock at night saying yes to doing stuff at weekends when really like you need your time do you you know you're on a hard brief you need to just step away from stuff to realize actually it could be better that way rather than just kind of sit hammering at one brief having the break away to think about it and, and clear your mind Definitely. And I think also just working in different like agencies in Australia, I just feel like had that so much better like work life balance that I kind of saw that when I came back, I thought that's how I want to be. I suppose they've got the sun to try and drag them outside as oh, well. <laughs> leaving work and lying on the beach is the best thing ever. <laughs> it just makes you feel better and you want to go and explore. I mean, I was quite fortunate. I've got a lot of like other creative friends out there as well. So, you know, I still had those. I mean, I know I rang you for like long phone calls, but I yeah. have other people that I can like bounce ideas off and like, what do you think about this? And I was still, when I was working in Australia, I was still answering briefs and doing work for the UK. So I find that was a sign where I was like, Hannah, you need to stop. You know, you're doing this like full day in Australia. And then I was like working in the evenings, like 
designing some windows for Liberty. And I was like, oh, this needs to be perfect, you know? And yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it sounds intense. A tra- an easy trap to fall into, I suppose, if you don't want to like let go of your UK clients once you've gone to the opposite side of the world. Yeah. And I don't want to be, I don't want people to think, you know, oh, she just took the easy way out. You know, she didn't like freelance life. She's gone perm, but it's, it was more for me. It needed to be done to tell myself to stop, like to stop trying to please everyone. I suppose if you freelance again in future, it might set you up mentally to be doing it in a kind of healthier way. Definitely. But I don't like the whole, I don't want to be the accountant. I don't want to be the project manager, the producer, the director. It's, I just think sometimes the higher you get, the less creative you become. And I like being that person that's like, you know, roll your sleeves up, get the work done. What, doing the creative work? Yeah, doing the creative work. Yeah. I remember when you talk about us calling each other for epic phone calls. I remember once during lockdown, when I think I was having a career meltdown, I was calling to speak to you for your wisdom. I discussed a few ideas that I was having and I was concerned that introducing new kind of pathways in my career, I think maybe this podcast and other things, would be me running the risk of becoming a jack of all trades. But then you enlightened me to the full version of that phrase, which is a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one, which I didn't know that like second half of that. Not many people do. (laughs) Yeah, and um, you kind of justified my choices to kind of diversify a bit by kind of informing me that you've kind of taken a multidisciplined approach in your career and that's kind of what helped to benefit you in your current job role or get you your current job role. Can you kind of explain to me like how that kind of varied experience that you've got kind of served to benefit the role that you're doing now and your career in general? Because obviously, like you say, you've worked in sort of different aspects of creative industries as well, like different elements of it. Yeah, I think it was quickly applied. Like when I was a junior, it was very much like we were working with corporate clients on graduate recruitment and you had to do everything from like ideas on their social media to their brochures, so print work, and then like website design. So like I had to apply and had to learn how stuff works so yeah just basically different formats and treatments and stuff I really liked that I didn't I mean that stems back to uni where you know graphics like as a course was split into graphics and digital and I was like why can't I be in that group (laughs) so I made it a point to be like I need to learn both I want to learn both so yeah, then different jobs. Like I've I've gone into different. I've even gone into like experiential. I work with like an amazing packaging client. I work on some like really nice like perfume packaging. I love it. Like I just there's something nice about waking up every day and like a brief is different. And I haven't lost that going perm either. That you know we work on different clients on every day. For me, that's what keeps it exciting. Is there's something different all the time. You've got to enjoy it. And like the other day when we were on the phone and you were like chatting about a new brief and you were like, if I've got the time, you know, in between a podcast and this and that, and you can do it all. Like, yeah, you can do anything you put your mind to. That's something I firmly believe in. Well, yeah, you've actually just brought up there that Hannah and I are going to be working on new kind of creative briefs together that I've like thrown at her. Um, And you've, you've already like helped to give me ideas that are sort of like around the whole project outside of the specific thing I asked for your help on. So that's great. And I can, I'm I'm feeling the benefit of all of the varied experience that you've got, (laughs) even to do with like events and things like that. So um, yeah, I'm 
I'm excited to chat more about that. Can you tell me about the biggest hurdle that you've faced in your career so far and what you've done to manage this? There's probably a few things. Definitely your self-saboteur, telling yourself you can't do stuff. You're not going to be as good as other people in your role. If you've been a designer for X amount of years, then you suddenly compare yourself to someone else. But then, you know, like we've chatted before, it's like you can bring so much more to the plate than other people sometimes. Like, yeah, everyone's got their own journey. So definitely being negative. <laughs> I think just working so much and like never taking time off myself. It's just, yeah, you just run yourself into the ground. And like, I know everyone, if you're looking at my Instagram, I look like I'm on holiday all the time. I think I've had one holiday where I didn't take my laptop. So that says a lot. Instagram's not always what it looks. But yeah, there's, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's that like not ever taking a break and not knowing whether to charge enough for yourself. Yeah, they're kind of hurdles that you need to kind of try and you're never going to learn it all. But that's definitely something that stopped me from getting to places. So not having, uh, giving yourself enough breaks, for example, have you done anything to kind of work on that now is like going permanent for example is that something that that you think has been part of trying to deal with that yeah I think learning to say no isn't a bad thing I think in the past you just want everyone to love you and everyone to like you and you'll say yes to every single brief whereas I've soon learned that like not everyone's gonna like you and it doesn't matter you know you're not there to please everyone and I just started by saying no to briefs that I didn't want to work on. Then I just found something that I was really passionate about and just started like even just going to a gym class. I just think like that's amount of time where you need to step away. That's my time where I'm not in front of a screen and looking at different things that like you can cut away from. I think I'm explaining this well. But yeah, I think going perm and having the structure of nine till six or whatever is definitely helped. And they're like huge on making sure you're okay and, you know, take a walking meeting and really big on encouraging that. Whereas me being my own boss, I'd be like, you don't need lunch, you know, <laughs> carry on or yeah. I can associate with that. I mean, we just said then, like, have you eaten? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I thought it was interesting as well what you're saying about, um, you know, saying no. That's something that I, last couple of years, have really been trying to kind of like help use as a tool to guide my career choices. And how do you find like starting to say no to certain things has helped you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is difficult because, you know, it doesn't mean you don't like the person that's giving the brief. It's just you're too busy. I mean, there's been times where you've asked me to do something. And I'm like, well, I'm so sorry, I can't. Like, I'm so like deep in a brief. But then I know... I should just realize that when you're really understanding and you're like, it's fine, I understand that everyone else will be like that. Unfortunately, not everyone is like that, but it all works out, right? Like you, if you say no to something that you don't really want to work on, suddenly something that you're quite passionate about just turns up, you know, or like it allows other doors to open. Whereas if you just said yes to everything, particularly in, you know, a format that you don't like working on or working in, then you realize, oh, that was always there waiting for me, you know? I couldn't agree more. Like the minute you start saying no to stuff, it's like the things that you want to happen seem more likely to happen because you're not distracted by doing the things you don't want to do. Like you've got more time to like 
put yourself out there to try and do the stuff that you want to do and pursue mm -hmm. the stuff you want to pursue. And that's the other thing as well. Like I try and see it now, like time's not infinite, is it? It's like we are, we've only got so much time and we need to make sure we're focusing on doing the stuff we want to do. So whilst I'm saying yes to everything, I'm like killing all the time, not carving my career as to what I want it to be. I'm sort of losing time in my career. Like I'm, it's like I have to like double back and start again. That's how I felt a bit in the last few years. Like I'm yeah. definitely taking a leaf out of your book on that. Like just a more structured approach by saying no to certain things but it's it's super hard like you say it's definitely like we as freelancers would always well you know you'd work 24 hours a day if you, if you you know your body and your mind allowed you it's easier when you're younger yeah oh god yeah I remember like there's times I've literally been sat at my desk and like mad come in at like three in the morning he's like you're still going I'm like yeah it really needs to get done you know and I think yeah just saying no to stuff where you just have to realize what's important to you and what's going to help you grow and even just say no to something, then going and doing a course on something new. Like that gave me the time. Like, yeah, time and rest isn't earned. You give yourself that to help you improve. So that allowed me to go on courses and learn new things. He's also saying as well about rates and negotiating rates being a hurdle. I can definitely associate with that one. Like how did you kind of manage to deal with that hurdle? So... First going freelance, like, you know, you meet a couple of recruiters and you're like, what do I need to charge myself? And they'll obviously tell you, top tip, recruiters will tell you less because they're putting a massive cut on top. But yeah, there's, they would kind of tell you a ballpoint figure of what to work on. And it actually took a while, like probably two, three years. And I had a really good friend, still a good friend, but she was actually my MD at the time. And she said, put your rates up. You know, like you're worth way more than this. And I think it just took the honesty of someone to say, you're worth more, charge more. You're always going to have clients where, yeah, they they start to tell you, oh, it's only going to take two hours. And you're like, I charge half a day, minimum. I mean, I know friends who charge like a day and it could be two hours worth of work. I, I couldn't do that. I'm too honest. I'm literally too honest, my own good. If it's two hours, I'll be like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, I'll add it onto something else. It takes like, takes you years to learn, to learn to be able to do it in two hours. And without those years, it would have taken you longer. So yeah. you can justify charging more for it. I mean, I, I do that now because it's like, I, I know this would have taken more time a while ago just so just because I work faster because I'm better and more experienced doesn't mean I should be penalized for that you know yeah, and, and have to do more work in order to earn more money like that I suppose it shouldn't work like that but the thing that I found when you're saying about rates is it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation and I've done some experiments with it and you know sometimes I've been frustrated about like you know I want to do certain kinds of jobs which pay you more so I've trialed putting my rates up to see if that increases the chances of me getting you know try the other way around supposed to like get the job and I get offered more money or something like charge more and see if that gets me the better job and I've found that by doing that actually it has helped me progress in my mm -hmm. career like there's a I think there's an element of with clients at least when when I'm dealing with them it's they want to know that you've got experience and you can do the job and whatever and there's nothing tells them more about that than about your abilities, I suppose, and if you can confidently charge an amount that a professional person should be charging. And I think yeah. often in the past, I was like poo-pooed for jobs because I was being the cheaper one 
thinking that that was a good thing, but actually it was, it was a bad thing because they all they had to go off was really a 30-second look at my showreel and the rest was, was how much am I charging? So it's like, if my showreel looks sort of similar to another guy's, you'd think like, oh, we'd go with the cheap one, but I think they'd actually go with the more expensive person because they think they get something else out of that. And it, at the end of the day, it's often the client, it's not their personal money, is it? They're usually just in charge of the company's money and they want to like get the best quality work for the budget that they've got. Definitely. And I think that's where this kind of like power of saying no comes in because I charged a certain amount. And then over time, this confidence came where like, you know, I am good at my job. Yes, I'm really quick at what I do. And then I was like, cool, I will increase my rates, not to fit more into a day, just because I know what I'm giving you is like a good quality and like knowing my worth and the standard. But then that's when you get these other people who will come back to you and be like, it'll only take you half a day or it'll only take you this time. And that's when you say, well, no, actually, because it's when someone goes, oh, it's only a five minute job. And you're like, it's going to take me five minutes to find the file from an old job. And like, I don't know, I just, it's this, you've got to be confident and be like, absolutely not. Competition time. If you're enjoying the conversation, please can you do me a favor and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? It's super easy to do. And if you let me know you've left a review using the Get In Touch page on visiongraft.com or by sending me a message on the Vision and Graft Instagram at visiongraft, you'll be automatically entered for free into one of the monthly draws to win a Roscoe Mixbook Digital Swatch Book. This very useful tool enables you to pre-visualize colored gels and LED colors, and they're really useful for those working in film, photography, or lighting design to plan which colors they could use in their lighting. I use mine all the time in my planning and I couldn't be without it. Spread the word if any of your mates would be interested in getting their hands on one, the competition is free to enter. If you really want a mixed book and you'd like to increase your chances, if you repost any of my posts on the Vision and Graft Instagram to your story, I will add an extra entry into the competition for you if you let me know that you've done that. The last date for entry is midnight the 31st of August 2022 and I'll contact the winner directly to arrange their new mixbook delivery. The competition is only available to residents of the UK, EU, USA, and Canada, but if you'd still like to leave me a review if you're outside of those areas, I will very much appreciate that. Full terms and conditions are available at visiongraph.com. Good luck with the competition. Now back to the show. What do you see yourself as kind of driving towards? I don't think I have this ultimate like end goal. Like I always want to be learning stuff. I always want to... Like financially, that's one of the main things that drives me. Like I like nice things. I like great holidays, you know, and you, unfortunately you have to work really hard to get that. I don't think, I don't know what my end goal is or what I want to do. Like, you know, I've never, ever seen, or not, I have seen a handful of like female creative directors. And I mentioned earlier that I feel like sometimes I don't know, the more managerial you get in roles. I mean, I've definitely been a creative creative director myself, like freelancing, and I've even gone in to cover some before. But I just think, yeah, I've, I've only seen a handful of female creative directors. And I just think now more than ever, you should see more female creative directors or females in powerful roles or... I don't know, women with kids in a design agency. It's so rare. Like, you just don't, I don't, I've just rarely got, maybe there is, maybe there's a fantastic agency out there somewhere that's for women by women. But like, there's no real end goal. As long as I'm happy and learning new stuff, 
I think that for me makes me complete and like spending time with people that matter most because I know for a fact like traveling and working I sacrificed so much like obviously Matt was traveling with me he loved it floated off in the season where you know I just left him but then I had friends that flew halfway around the world to spend time with me and I was sat in front of my laptop and I think there was just little switches where I was like you know you need to put certain priorities first and we've had conversations about would you want to buy a house do you want to do this and like it's not goals I want to set right now as long as I'm happy doing what I do and I'm enjoying it that's what matters to me yeah it strikes me that it's a little less materialistic I mean I like the finer things I'm not gonna lie <laughs> but like yeah. it's as long as I can work hard and do that then yeah I'm not gonna burn myself out again to get what I want yeah, I mean, I think I think we've both made decisions in our careers that have helped to facilitate the experience at the time being what we want it to be, where we probably could have made the decision for money at other times, you know, but didn't because we wanted to live our lives to a certain extent. And I look back at the decisions I've made the last 10 years and I'm like, I don't, I'm not full of regret because I could have done things that earned me money, more money. I could have not freelanced straight out of uni. I could have done many things like not worked in the film industry to start with but <laughs> I've gone with the passion instead of the simple options and the things that were like much easier to follow I mean I was getting this straight out of high school like people trying to persuade me to do apprenticeships and stuff like this which would have just straight be driving a BMW and have a house by now if I'd gone down that route but it's like it wasn't what I wanted to do it wasn't what was going to bring me happiness and I think I would have been the sort of person that I am I would have been deeply kind of sad if I'd taken those routes I like I want the challenge you know I remember saying to my dad like I'm gonna go traveling and I'm gonna get my UK clients and I'm gonna do this and his first thing I don't know if it was whether he's just gonna miss me he was like what's your five-year plan and like for me that's like a oh, I can't I can't like what I haven't got one like there's some people who really genuinely have stuff planned like I met a girl at uni who was like I'm gonna be married by this age have a kid buy a house and then I'll just, you know, be a resource manager in a design agency. And I was like, okay. And then I've always just had this drive to do more. You know, it, we can admit there's people at school where, you know, their goal was to leave school, get a house or like sign on for a house if that's what they really want to do, you know? And it was just, we were like, I just want to leave. Like, I just want to get out and see the bigger world than Barry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, no, obviously no insults, Barry. Um, no insults, but, Barry, we love you. Well, I, I was looking at your LinkedIn earlier and your bio says that you're interested in self-improvement. And like you discussed recently with me that you've been focusing on like confidence and like developing that. What drew you to choose to kind of like work on confidence? Because personally, I've always seen you as someone who is quite confident from my position. Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> No, it's just, it's just interesting to me is like, what is it that's kind of drawn you to focus specifically on your confidence? I think I'm a bugger for like explaining something and at the end being like, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? And then I found the more, especially like freelance, you have to believe in yourself and present things more. And I just couldn't like, I'm terrible. I say, um, all the time. Like I'll be looking at a zoom full of like, God, sometimes there's like over a thousand people on a call and you've got to like, just pick one person. Like now I'm just looking at you. I'm not even looking at myself, but you've just got to pick that one person and say everything. And I, everything just, 
tenses and I'm like I can't talk I don't know what I'm going to say so I actually it was really nice one of the agencies I worked at they all gave us gravitas books and I'm really bad I can't remember the lady who wrote it I'll look it up but we had these gravitas books and then she came in and did a course for us and it was great and it was all about this the power of the pause and you just have to breathe and it was just certain things and like certain steps and it was great did I implement it? No. So then more like more jobs I went into and it just got worse and worse and I can't present. I just can't. I know I'm good at what I do. I just prefer when there's someone else being like leading it. But now, yeah, I've, uh, I'm doing a confidence workshop at the moment and I had to like write all this. Even for tonight, I set myself a task to be like, what are the three negatives that you're scared of doing this podcast? And then had to write positives for it and I was reeling them off telling them Matt on Saturday and he was like I don't know why he was like you can I actually he actually this is true he actually said but you and Will would understand more than anyone like if you said I can talk a glass eye to sleep it's true like I can I can talk and talk forever but yeah it's the confidence in presenting my own work that is I just wanted to improve on that and just believe in it myself more because you've got the skills to communicate it's just marrying that like belief with the communication skills in order to kind of like lay it down at the time you need to. Yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, you could look at my LinkedIn and think, oh my God, amazing. Like she's worked for like these agencies. She's done this, she's done that and she's won awards and she's done this. And it's like on paper, it looks great. But then I cannot, if you ask me to sit here and tell you now, like tell me everything you've done, I'll downplay it so much. Like I'm just not confident to be like, yeah, I did this or yeah, I need to work on that a bit more. Well, I, uh, I'm i supporting you in that as your friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe you. in you, Hannah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope, I hope that journey continues well. Well, you're always on the end of the phone when I don't think I can do something. I ring you and I think, well, what, what do you think about this? And you're like, you're so successful. You're so confident. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But thanks. Well, yeah, I mean, if I, I'm, I'm here to cheerlead, defo. And it, I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it either. And I think that's important. I mean, that's definitely something that I think is super important is telling my friends when I believe in them, like make sure that they know that because I think that's like one of the nicest things that I can do as someone's mate, you know, like, sharing that love like if i think that someone's amazing then i want to like make sure they know that i think they're amazing you know well why should i keep that information to myself <laughs> yeah yeah no you do you do have to support your friends through it and even like some things you it's not until someone else points something out to you you're like oh yeah i did that yeah it's like it helps you take a step back and actually like look at it for a second instead of just charging forward onto the next thing yeah definitely so how do you find being creative helps you when dealing with life's challenges kind of both in your career and personally? I mean, I don't take life too seriously, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, I guess I've just always been creative and it's wanting to learn new things or if I don't understand something, I'll just go off and teach myself how to do it. Or if I like want to brief someone on something and I don't fully understand it, I'll sit and read about it. I suppose this is still more like the work sense, isn't it? But yeah, I've like... I don't know, built stuff at home, like taught myself how to build things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, just yeah, breaking breaking stuff down into small segments, I suppose. If I need to learn something new, it's like the way you would dissect a brief, you would kind of dissect any situation being like, there's just one end goal, but how do we apply that like in little steps? 
Interesting. So what is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, um, you can be anything you want to be as long as you put your mind to it. And I know that sounds a bit woo, but it's true. Like, yeah, you can learn anything you want as long as you dedicate the time and have the drive to do it. Yeah, when my old MD Frankie said to me, you know, put your rates up, you matter more than your work kind of thing. I suppose that's when it really hit. That was a good, like, hitting moment. And, yeah, they need you more than you need them. Like, they're all yeah. little sayings. Like, I'm a, I love a saying. But, yeah, they're all little sayings that stick with you and you think, yeah, that they're really good bits of advice. Sort of relating to self-worth as well, I suppose. Like, they sort of all link somewhat to that. Yeah, and I've, I'm so fortunate. I've worked in like so many places and met so many nice people. Like a lot of my friends, like close friends now, like, I mean, my circle's quite small, but I do, some of my closest friends are like people I've met along the way. And we would have just sat next to each, like my friend Mark in Australia, like we just sat next to each other one day in a job. All of a sudden, like we just speak all the time, encourage each other, big each other up, bounce work off each other. Like I'm just fortunate I've met really nice and encouraging people along the way yeah and it's helped to kind of like boost you as you've gone yeah I mean you don't absorb it all definitely no one like absorbs everything someone tells you but yeah it's nice to have like a really good community around you that believe in you as you should believe in yourself if that's a good way of putting it yeah do you see them as like figures of inspiration as well Definitely. I mean, some of my friends, I think, oh my God, I'm nowhere near as good as you. But then you need to realize like, well, you are in your own way and like you bring things into their life that they bring to yours. I think that's making sense. But there's certain people I I know that I can literally ring with any form of question and there's just an ear on the other end, like listening to you. Or like, Hannah, get a grip, stop crying, you know? (laughs) I wouldn't say that. Oh, gosh, she's crying again. (laughs) Yeah, no, but yeah, I'm just fortunate. I've had some really great jobs where, yeah, I've met some good people along the way and advice. There's tons of it. I just can't remember it all. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually the best place for it, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I've got a final question for you. This is definitely the curveball. Um, What gives you hope? I thought you were going to ask me, what is success to you? Because I've been listening to all your podcasts. I was like, damn it, I'm ready for this one. Uh, What gives me hope? Um, It is a curveball. Um, The ability to fail, to learn your mistakes to carry on. So like um, always allowing yourself to fail, to learn from mistakes. Like you can't get everything right. You can't get everything right and not everyone's going to like you. And then there's this kind of like, it will always get better, you know, or if something's bad, it's the worst it'll ever be. You know, there's that kind of, I have little mini mantras, but yeah, that's like, I hope that's answers your question. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's no set answer. So it's like, it's intriguing to hear how different people answer this. I'll hang up and I'll be like, damn it, that was it. And then I'll ring you back and be like, add this in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it's, it's good to have the little mantras that, keep you going especially when it's like like in your arsenal at the point where it's like stuff's really tough yeah I think doing stuff as well that like scares you is really important like that challenge yourself or do something that scares you and I'd like said this right back in the beginning just being like if I'm not learning anything new 
I'm bored. That tells me to move on or leave a job or teach yourself something, learn how to do that. Yeah, and it's that self-saboteur that's like, oh, I'm not good enough. And then if I'd told Hannah back in maths class next to Will, being like, you would have done this, you would work here, you would have won that. You'd be blowing the tiny teenage minds about the stuff that you've done. But now you look at yourself and you think, you can always do better. There's always more. And it's, I suppose it's good to try and take, yeah, it's good to try and take a step back sometimes and like imagine yourself as that teenage self and be like, you know, I can be proud of myself. I've done some pretty cool things. I've, I've achieved some stuff and, and I know my tiny teenage version of me would be impressed at some of this stuff. So it's just like helps to ground you a little bit, doesn't it? Definitely. Cause you always think it's not enough. I need to do more. I've got to learn this, I've got to learn that, which I tell myself all the time. But yeah, there's this kind of, yeah, if I was me again, you know, <laughs> going out drinking on a Friday night, <laughs> telling myself, you'll be working yourself into the ground, but you'll like, it'll be so rewarding. Like you would have done all of this and then, yeah, it's, it's worth it. You know, we've come far. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast. And thank you. I'm excited to uh, get this one out for sure. I really appreciate you taking the time no worries thank you so much for having me no it's no problem hopefully i can have you again in future we can have like updates career updates definitely and new projects everyone gets to find out what we're working on yeah yeah new projects that's an important thing more will be revealed in time but yeah it's uh, exciting to work with you again and i'm um, looking forward to it thank you thanks again Hannah. no worries take care find us online at visiongraft.com And for updates, follow Will on Instagram at VisionGraft.